Welcome everyone to the Wild Will Throwdown episode presented by Diesel Boys LLC and what an episode we have for you today. On today's episode, we will go over some of the three-hour excitement and action preview upcoming weekend. We finally made it to the World Championship. Talk to our special guest today, none other than the number 41 entry, the Wild Will Throwdown entry of Buddy Vertrees into the World Figure 8 Championship and preview some of the upcoming schedules for this weekend, September 8th, 9th, and 10th. But joining me now is none other than the contributor of the Wild Will Throwdown, Mr. Hawk Harold Adams. Hawk, we have finally made it to the week, the World Figure 8 Championship 3 Hour. We've been talking about it every week, but it's here. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we've been talking about it a little bit here and there each week, throwing some hints down, talking about I mean, everybody knows how excited we are about this. So to be here... To do this episode, everything everybody's getting all geared up. You see all the pictures of the cars. Everybody's talking about it. I got my race eight page. We're talking about it all all day, every day. So here we go. So now let's jump into it. No topic of the week, but the topic of the week is the three hour, obviously. But let's talk a little bit about this. Forty six entries, more than we thought. I mean, let's be honest. The economy. Didn't think we would have it. Last year, I think we had 43, I believe, or somewhere around that number. Beat it by a couple cars, I believe. Now, don't know everyone's going to make it, depending on car trouble, practice, everything leading up to that World 3-Hour Championship, but a great number of alternates, uh, no doubt about it. Now, could we see a little bit of crazy stuff go on this year? It seems every year we see a little bit of crazy stuff. This last year, we saw Calvin Crane be the 28th starter. Now, what happened, you say, that's so crazy about that? Well, Calvin had a malfunction. Uh, I don't know if it was an engine or not. Can't remember the exact cause. But guess who was the first alternate? Doodle Ferris. First time ever, I think, Scott and I had told me that an alternate started the race in a kind of weird instance. Now, they took the green flag first, and Doodle came out of the chute right after that. That was pretty crazy. I know you remember that last year. Yeah, I know. Uh, we was all kind of wondering, you know, what happened to Calvin. And, uh, you know, just an unfortunate situation. Those cars sometimes, uh, you know, practicing and qualifying, everything looked all right. And then all of a sudden something breaks in a car and they couldn't get it fixed. So unfortunate there. Of course, Calvin just coming off his uh, big win of the Midwestern. So he's on a roll. So he's looking to continue that again. But, yeah, you never know what's going to happen up there at the 3R. It's just crazy stuff. you got a lot of... A lot of great cars coming from all over, and, of course, everybody in this region. This is the Super Bowl of figure eight, so uh, everybody's got you know everything in on it, and uh, just never know. Now, you know, that is a good point. We are coming to you live from the shop of Buddy Vertrees and Calvin Crane, uh, so that's pretty cool, those cars getting ready to go. Obviously, today's guest, Mr. Buddy Vertrees, the veteran himself, obviously. Why Buddy Vertrees? Well, we're on the side of that car this year. Pretty cool, the Wild Will Throwdown being a sponsor to Buddy Vertrees and the 41 team. Now, that means we're going to wish everybody good luck. That is just how we are. We're figure eight fans first, and that's pretty cool. And just excited for everyone who's in the World 3-Hour Championship. Now, let's talk a little about another side note that made big news this year, if you will. We like to point out the big news. Well, Derek Anson, let's talk about him for a second. Uh, everyone knows him as now the driver of the heavy hitter monster truck. Um, still got that monster truck, but then he went on the Hot Wheels monster truck live tour. He's been all over the country, overseas and whatnot. Very proud of him. I, I Derek Anson, I know him real well. Talked to him a lot. Uh, he is very excited. Used to race the three-hour, I believe, 10 or so years. Maybe you can help me on that, 11 years possibly. Somewhere before um, this 
starting uh, the three-hour, possibly. He's got to make that top 28. But uh, if I know Derek and the crew, he's got a great uh, teacher there. Saw Raymond Johnson in his shop the other day on that picture. He shared on Facebook and a lot of other very smart guys behind the engine work and how those cars operate. But uh, we got a little sneak peek of that design, 87A, of course, for Anson. We know there's an 87S, and that's for Matt Smith, of course. So a couple 87s. But, uh, man, that's awesome to see Derek Anson back in an Outlaw figure eight car. Yeah, you mentioned it's been a few years back. I, I really don't know exactly either. I mean, I can't believe it's been probably nine or ten years. You're right. It doesn't seem like it. But uh, something about the 3R2, everybody talks about, you know, you've got to run a lot of races leading up, get into the groove, get the car going, get used to it, get used to the track, or else you're not going to do good in this big 3R. And that's been the case, except for Derek Anson. Several years ago, the last time he was there, he did the same thing that he's doing now. He went out, bought a really good car by someone that uh, was wanting to get out of it or selling a car. He bought a really good car, fixed it up, and went out there without any other races beforehand. Everybody's like, even myself, there's no way he's going to do good. I mean, you know, you just can't do it. It just it just doesn't happen. Uh, he went out there, and, and I'm uh, sorry, but I don't know exactly where he finished, but I know it was in top ten, maybe even top five. And it was, like, incredible to see. And then after that, I think he sold the car and went on did his monster truck. So here he is again, bought that uh, Jeff Roberts, uh, Ronnie Basham car. They've done some uh, different work to it. They've been showing uh, them working on the car, getting it ready, acclimated for him. And, uh, I mean, there's no doubt, uh, you know, I, I expect him to do really well. Yeah, absolutely. And Derek Ants is definitely not scared of it. I mean, uh, it's pretty cool to see him on the monster truck tour um, now coming back to his roots of figure eight racing. But let's talk about a little more of the pre-entry list. Um, you know, <clears throat> we go down through here. Jeff Swinford making four starts so far. Um, we haven't seen much of him in 2022. You know, he's a former Anderson track champion, national figure eight crown winner. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see him back out there. You have Steve the Bull Durham, who, for the most part, he kept up with Calvin Crane in the Midwestern. Uh, you know, he's got nine starts. You have Marksman Mark Tunney. Now, we can't talk about Mark Tunney without saying he's going to be a contender for the win. But it's no secret, Mark Tunney has not been the best as of late, and uh, he will tell you that as well. Painesville, he had some problems. Uh, down here at Sports Drum for the Midwestern, he was iffy. You know, so it's going to be interesting if Mark Tunney and that Royal Purple crew can get back together on that machine. Mike Hadley Jr., always tough. He's a former winner. Eight races, 2,572 laps ran there in the World Three-Hour Championship. The gentleman we just talked to, Calvin Crane, or not talked to, but talked about, Calvin Crane, uh, coming off that Midwestern win, you know his self-esteem's got to be boiling right now to get out there in that car. Uh, talk about this guy, T-Time Ben Tunney. Man, always, always, um, you know, his best stat, four-time champion. Finished first four times $80,000 in victories of the World 3-Hour, not counting the other times that he finished up through the field. Dennis Sloan, you know, we got to talk about him for a little bit. It's going to be uh, always makes things interesting out there. you got the Michigander, Jeremy Vanderhoof. How about Austin Tunney flirting with disaster? Tim Logan, the 8, the Riddler, Mike Riddle. Coming off a Speedrome Championship in the Browns Oil Service Late Model Figure 8 Division. Brandon White, always good to see a local there in the White's Auto Sales Machine. Here's another big one. I talked to this guy last night, John Kennybrook, Mr. Johnny Kennybrook. How about that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people in the figure eight world, uh, especially up at the three-iron Indy area, probably never heard of him. But, uh, 
He's uh, he's run a lot of figure eight down here in this area, front wheel drive, street stocks, dromers, what have you. Uh, but it's been a while. He's uh, pretty much been retired for several years, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, he has this chance to get in this uh, uh, Dane Laster Bartman machine, and I guess he figures it's a chance of a lifetime. So why not go for it? But here's something that's going to surprise a lot of people, and we saw it on social media all week. The only Harmon running the World Three Hour Championship, Big C Corey Harmon. Corey Harmon, watch out for him. He's got a speed drum win this year, and the last couple times out at the speed drum, he's had top five finishes, I believe. He's been up towards the front, stayed out of trouble. But uh, you got to think that Big C Corey Harmon uh, is going to be up there. Only one Car- Harmon in the three hour. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm sure, like you said, he's going to uh, represent the family name very well. And in case some people are wondering, because I've seen some people asking, hey, why is he the only Harmon? What, what's happened to the Harmon? Some of the people that don't keep up with the, uh, the racing down here at Sportstrom area. Well, of course, uh, Mark Harmon's been pretty well out of it for a while. Every once in a while, he'll step in, maybe for uh, Corey or whatever. But uh, he's pretty much hasn't had a car for a while. Now, Chris has recently... Pretty much retired the last year or so. He sold his car to Bobby Corbin, and uh, he's been helping his son Ben uh, with his uh, Dirt Modified or going around the area. So he's kind of been uh, looking at that. And then uh, Jeff Harmon, uh, who we've seen race several years now in, uh, at Sportsdrome and in the 3R, uh, kind of surprisingly early in the year, all of a sudden sold everything that he had to uh, R.J. Norton Jr., who has that uh, machine and all the stuff there. So... Uh, uh, so we're just left with Big C, Corey Harmon, and uh, like I say, I'm sure he'll do well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no Corey, and uh, I know he's going to be a top contender. Dylan Douthat, uh, you know, in the 21D card, Doug Riddle. Uh, Troy Hughes Jr., <clears throat> you know, always tough this year. Beautiful blue, black and white, number 22. <clears throat> How about this one, Eddie Van Meter? Uh, we talk about Eddie Van Meter. He's been out on the late model, uh, tour a little bit with the CRA, Super Series and whatnot. But, uh, you know, we talk about Eddie. Never count him out because he showed up at Speedrome a couple weeks ago and picked up a win. Yeah, I know. Uh, he's kind of been forgotten about a little bit in the mix of the figure eight world, if you will, because, you know, he was he was back in the scene last few years, been really tough to beat, won a bunch of races in a row there for a while. And then uh, he's kind of slowed off of a little bit, still got the car races every once in a while, really hasn't been thought of a whole lot. And then, like you said, he comes out there for the big 75-lapper a couple weeks ago, and took the win, and now all of a sudden you got to take notice. Eddie Van Meter's back. Yeah, no doubt about that. And then you look at the next entry here, number 24, Pete Bear. I don't care how well he runs, how well he don't run. Pete Bear always shows up, I'm telling you. Yeah, I know. He does. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that family, that's kind of a family tradition. They've been into uh, figure eights for a long time. So it's great to see them out there and uh, working hard and getting that car out there and uh, putting on a show. No doubt about it. You look at the World Figure 8 champion. How about that? The gentleman, Jeffrey Shackelford. Uh, three races, starts in the three hours, 755 laps ran. Best finish with ninth in the 2019 season. Top 10's one, top five, zero. But this year, I think he's got a card that can get him to the top five. Yeah, no doubt. He has definitely got the best car that he's ever had for the World Figure 8 Championship. And as you said, World Figure 8 Tour Champion, won some races, has looked really good out there. They've got that car hooked up with him. Uh, he's getting really uh, settled in with that car, really feeling good about it. Had some great runs and some great big wins this year at the Speedrome. So uh, he would like none other to win his first big World Figure 8 Championship.
Then you look, we talked about it, Bobby Corbin, the 29C car, former Sports Chrome Speedway figure eight champion. Of course, he was um, in the world figure eight Sunny Eaton Memorial, top rookie, 2012 finisher. Uh, you know he has five races uh, to his name in the three-hour. Best finish was 11th twice. Could he make a top ten this year? No doubt he probably could. Tommy St. John, beautiful black new wrap, going to be good this year. Talk to Tommy. You know, both of us did, I believe, at IRP in the backstage area. They had their uh, cars on display. He is pumped up for the three-hour. We got to see his dad a lot at Mount Lawn Speedway this year, so uh, it's pretty cool to talk to the legend himself. And then you look at the Bulldog, Bobby Whitaker. How about this? You know, you look at Bobby Whitaker, the most respected racers in the pit area, they call him. Yeah, he's one of those guys, you know, that, that every track seems like they have. You know, he just comes in there almost all the time for many, many years, loves to race, low-budget guy, you know, there's no doubt about it. But he loves to race, gets out there, competes, and, uh, you know, enjoys it evidently because he does it year in, year out. And so it's always great to see him out there, and I wish him well. Here you go. Here's a guy who leads the way for the all-times laps in the event. 11,054 laps led in the three-hour. You know who I'm talking about, Mr. Doug Gregg in that number 33. guess now we can call him a Hall of Famer. Yes, because he was inducted to the Hall of Fame there at Speedrome, and I think he's retired once or twice already and uh, just keeps going, you know. So if he feels like racing, why not? You know why he still can of course, he's got his daughter, Kimmy Gregg, doing a lot of street stock action and front-wheel drive stuff he does. But, uh, you know, he jumps in a lot of the times there in a Timmy Logue car, and he's got, I think he's got his own car still. So uh, you never can count Doug out, you know. Uh, he's always right up there, runs strong, and uh, uh, we'll see how he does again this year. Then you keep looking at it. You know, Ronnie Basham, this is another big story of the year. Uh, the number 86 crew, which Derek Anson purchased that car. But guess what? Troy Hughes has an, another car, and that's where you're going to find Ronnie Basham. You know, Ronnie Basham, one World Figure 8 Tour win this year, I believe, at Speedrome. Picked up the first one, matter of fact. Uh, you know, you look at his stats. He's a he's champion at Sportstrom Speedway. Uh, kicked off the year with a podium finish in the Florida Southern Finals. Uh, he has a Wayne Honor Memorial win at the Speedrome like we just talked about. Fourth was his best finish in 2017. One top five, two tops ten, six laps led, 820 laps ran, and four starts in the World 3-hour. It's going to be pretty cool to see him out there. Todd Shelby's back in the 35. Uh, 38, already beware. Best finish was second in the 2015 season of the running of the 3-hour. Two top fives, five top tens, 157 laps led, 3791 laps ran, over 3,000 laps ran in the 3-hour. 15 races to his name. Uh, you know, you look at his accolades. The former three-hour runner-up, second, uh, his biggest fin career victory, 2021. I called that race on Speed Sport, Florida's Auburndale Speedway. That was a huge win for him. I remember his crew was electric. Major wins include the Midwestern, Ironman Two-Hour, and Mike Gregg Memorial. Don't count Artie B. Wear out. No, never count Artie out. Him and his crew there, they always uh, bring a good machine to the events. And uh, the three hours, one thing, as you said, he's gotten so close, as close as you can get second, and a lot of other good finishes. So there's no doubt that he would love to bring home that trophy. We keep going down the list here. I mean, 46 entries. Of course, the guy that's going to be on the show today, 41 of Budro Buddy Vertries. Very proud to be on side of that car, as well as of all of his other sponsorships. Uh, Steve Roby, we just talked about him, uh, you know, 
Derby City Recycling. He's going to be on side of that car as well, so I know he's excited. Many other sponsors on side of that car. Uh, you have Blanchard's. I know Blanchard's Auto Sales. I know there's a lot more. Can't mention them all. Uh, but uh, then you look at Doodle Ferris. Dang it, Doodle Ferris, as uh, his scheme goes. Gave a little sneak peek up his graphics, new graphics this year, but he is probably one of the most entertaining drivers. Watch out for a wow moment in him in the World 3 Hour. How about it? Yeah, Doodle, it's always great to see him out there. Of course, uh, they love him up there in Painesville. A couple times he'd been up there. They just really uh, uh, love to watch him race and, and uh, hear him talk. And, uh, yeah, he's a little crazy, but, uh, you know, that's just the way Doodle is. So it will be great to see him out there. Hope he, hopefully he can uh, stay out of trouble and uh, get a good finish this year. No doubt. Uh, the only Wisconsin entry, Mr. Craig Van de Wettering, the World Figure 8 Tour's only Wisconsin driver, is back for his second three-hour run. Actually did pretty darn good in his first one. He was cutting the X, doing pretty good. Uh, Wisconsin International Raceway is where he calls his home. Um, he's he never quits, just like last year. Best finish was fifteenth for your first three hour to finish fifteenth. That's impressive. Yeah, I mean uh, nobody really gave him a chance. Be honest with you, because nobody knew anything about him. We knew that he had run some figure eight, never really run with the outlaws before, so nobody really thought that he would even compete that well. And he did a great, great job, and uh, has looked good in all of the races he's been in. He's 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 looked like he should uh, belong with these guys. So uh, the more he runs, the more he'll get better. And another thing I want to throw in there too, he's got a couple other cars that he's hinting around that he would bring and maybe put someone in. Uh, but I don't know. You never know. He might he might bring one of the other cars. We might get another entry. So what does that see? Yeah, then you look at the um, Preston Maxwell Jr. 55M machine. Uh, driver's back for another decade away from driving the Hargrave second car. Florida guy looking pretty good. Cody Williams, the Florida driver, comes on the three-hour under the mentorship of Gordon Brown. Uh, so good to see Cody Williams out there. The outlaw Jesse Tunney, always a top contender. Dale Shelton, that's another big story. Yeah, I love to see Dale out there. As I only run a few uh, three hours, but as a legend in the sports storm area, run won many races, many championships in the old street stock figure eight, and I run a little bit of extreme. Of course, he came back uh, this year, basically, in the extreme uh, uh, modified figure eight division, as they call it now, down at Sportsdrome, and has done really well. Won, I think, five features this year, and all of a sudden, he pops up here a few weeks ago, and he has an outlaw. He has one of the old uh, Quentin White machines, and has that thing looking good, and uh, there's no doubt about it, he'll, he'll be competitive. Looking on down the line, R.J. Norton Jr., Steve Frost, Charlie Hargraves. Uh, then you go on back to the field, Donnie Garrigus third, Donnie Murphy. There he is, Derek Anson, the heavy hitter. Uh, the mayor of Throttlesville, Matt Smith. Big story. Good to see Matt this, this year come back. and uh, He had some health issues go on, but very good to see him back. Richie Arthur's 89. Chad Sizemore has a win this year. That's impressive, too. The number 91, uh, 10 races to his name. Best finish was fifth in 2017. And Ricky Puckett. Of course, everyone knows Ricky Puckett. Five starts in the world, three-hour. Best finish was 14th in 2020, a couple years back. Um, you know, 975 laps ran. Going to be very fun seeing him. Sportstrom Speedway is where he calls home. Uh, he was a champion down at Kentucky Motor Speedway. Earned a rare three-hour double-winning both Sunny Awards in 2014. What a list we have this year. It's going to be a very interesting world three-hour. Yeah, looking forward to it, no doubt. And uh, like you said, earlier in the year, there was talk about, man, this three-hour may not be too good. Car counts seem like they're a little low. Guys weren't racing all the time. And as the seasons progressed, you know, all of a sudden car counts started going up. Cars started to get 
coming out of the garage, if you will. Different guys come out of retirement. And here we are with a great car count. He said 46. So uh, we're ready to go. And also, just to wrap up real quick before we go over to the results, if you cannot make it to the show, which we highly recommend you're there in person, general mission tickets are still on sale. But if you can't, you're out of town, out of country, can't make it, lowbudget.tv's got you covered. And, of course, speedrome.tv will lead you there as well. Make sure if you want to have a watch party, those are always fun, just kind of like football on Sundays. You have your friends over, you make some food, there you go. But I'm telling you, it's a spectacle. It's a great event. Uh, make sure you come on out and support Kevin Garrigus and the gang. They do a phenomenal job with this event each and every year. And we're proud to be back at the World 3-Hour Championship. Now let's talk about some results over the past weekend. Of course, Mother Nature, that was the big story. Rain, rain, rain again. Everything Indianapolis South, it seemed, was canceled. Uh, so this is going to be short. We'll start at uh, the Winchester Speedway. And I can tell you what, very proud of our locals. The Vores Compact Touring Series, D&J Auto Sales, B4 Mini Series. Joseph Jennings picked up the win, but how about our very own Bradley Winters, a guy you're familiar with in the Race 8 Series. It's good to see one of your own clinch the title for that. Very proud of him and our local guys here. Yeah, congrats to Bradley with a, with a great year, a great run there in the Vores. And, uh, yeah, he's run a lot with me and also run a lot of the uh, Fords before that. But as a really uh, stepped in very well, on these uh, front-wheel drives, and uh, there he is. He has a championship, so congrats to him. Yep, no doubt. Then you look at uh, Nick Egan picked up the Jed CRA Super Series win. John Robbins won the Thunder Roadsters, another local we are extremely proud of and has been a guest here on the Wild Wheel Throwdown. Mr. Kyle Frame picked up his first win of 2022. Pretty impressive there. Yeah, uh, Kyle's been really good on the circuit there. Of course, another uh, former driver down there at the Drome and uh, has raced a lot down there and raced a little bit with my Race 8 Series. But he's run uh, really well, so great to see him pick up a victory uh, up there uh, along with Bradley on the same day at the same track. Yep, no doubt about it. And, of course, looking at the other ones, the Vores Welding CRA Late Model Sportsman, J.P. Crabtree, who we know at uh, Mount Lawn Speedway, picked up the win. Andrew Teepe clinched the Van Hoy Oil Street Stock win from the CRA Series. The Arca CRA Super Series win went to William uh, Sawalich. Uh, excuse me on the noun, uh, pronunciation if I got that wrong. But how about this? On Friday night was a complete full program for the Crown Bicks, and another local guy we're very proud of, Mr. Daniel Durrett, picked up that huge trophy with the globe on top. Yeah, I think we know Daniel a little bit. Uh, he's becoming well-known with a lot of people in the Ford world here all of a sudden. Everywhere he goes, you know, he is the man to beat is basically the way he's looking at it. And uh, well-deserving. You know, the guy can drive. He, he builds these cars. He knows what to do to get them ready. And uh, congrats to Daniel and his crew. Great night up at Winchester Speedway. Now looking at Plymouth Motor Speedway. Of course, that was bought uh, last year by the South Bend Motor Speedway, who we just found out a little bit of secret. See there, uh, that racetrack was up for sale, but I believe Kalamazoo uh, Speedway purchased that, and that is awesome news because we want to see continued racetracks. And Kalamazoo, they the promoters there have done phenomenal things with that, so I'm sure they'll do South Bend, one of our favorite short tracks. But up there, it was the Plymouth Speedway. That was the Grand Slam event for the Outlaw Elite Models. Four races. Uh, race one went to Teller Rory. Uh, race two went to Teller again. Race three, Phil Basel. And race four was Steve Needle. So congratulations. And you and I were somewhere this past Saturday night. My first visit to the Anderson Speedway. You've been there many times. But you said it's a great facility. Let's check it out. I can tell you you're right. 
You don't realize those bankings of a short track until you're there in person. And we had quite the view as we were high, high above the track. We were actually taking our time stepping around, you know. Yeah, we decided to try out the high rise over. I'd never been sitting over to watch a race, so it was pretty cool. We went all the way up there. could really see everything really well. Uh, temperature was nice, a little cool, but it uh, felt great, you know, after the high, uh, high temperatures and everything. So we was able to check it all out, and uh, it was a very interesting night, to say the least, wouldn't you say, Will? <laughs> well, I don't know if interesting is what you call it. Crazy and a lot of law enforcement involved, maybe, what you want to say. But, uh, you know, Rick Dawson's track is known for craziness, and that's what we've seen. And, uh, man, it, you just had to be there to see it. But the figure eight front-wheel drive went to Elliot McKinney in the number nine car. That race was wild. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, a guy that's raced a lot with my uh, Race 8 series and figure eights, love figure eights, Nick Warner decided to show up. And he had been running a whole lot of the front wheel drives. So he was there and uh, it was looking good. It was, had a nice lead, jumped out there and, and was pulling away from him. But uh, as everybody knows, if you know Nick Warner, he doesn't like to stop at the intersection. And uh, cutting through the X uh, wasn't very, very kind to him in this one. Just a couple laps to go, uh, he got hit in the intersection. He got hit or someone else got hit. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it was always interesting when you see Nick. Uh, you just had to be there. Uh, you know, we saw his dad down there. He, he didn't know. He's just going back to work on that number nine car. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I say, uh, uh, sometimes that kind of stuff uh, works for you. Sometimes it don't. And uh, that was one of those deals where you just couldn't navigate through the X and uh, had a lot of damage there and, uh, instead of a win. But I'm sure they'll be back. I tell you what, the crowd went wild when that happened, though. Nick came. I mean, he didn't lift. He full throttled that sucker through the X, and he did it. Uh, but uh, then we went on to the Crown Vicks, which was always fun to watch on that track. And, uh, man, Randy Owen in the 75 picked up the win. Uh, the, the Tharps are always in it, but they did not have a good night. Yeah, it got kind of wild and crazy up there, but I, I kind of have a feeling it happens quite often. But uh, just the way that track is, you know, short quarter mile with those bankings, on the figure eight course, I mean, them cars are always getting in, in each other. And uh, those Crown Vicks are really put on show. Uh, it was very exciting, but, yeah, it was a great race. Then we had the weenie race, uh, which was the hot dog race, was your favorite. Uh, Noah Allison in the Crown Vic picked up the win. First time I've ever said that I was at a weenie race. Yeah, I kind of hope it was the last time we was at one, to be honest with you. But uh, it was an interesting. They're always trying something different up there for their night of thrills. So I've seen a lot of different things that they've had. But uh, I'll be honest with you, hopefully they won't do that one again. <laughs> <laughs> we like to have fun here on the Wild Wheel Throwdown. And i tell you what, that was I, – I don't know what to think of it. So if you, you haven't heard, uh, basically you, you stop in the crossover in your car – uh, whatever you're driving, it could be a front wheel drive, it could be a crown bic, it could be anything. So they start the timer, they give them the green flag, they come out onto the front stretch, take the green flag, make a lap or two. Some we didn't count, really, I, I don't know. But then you pull into the intersection again, and then whoever you have designated to be the weenie eater, so you like what I did there, right? The weenie eater? You know, you don't like that. You know, he, he's, he can't take jokes. But uh, the designate... Uh, designate or whatever you want to call it, has to eat this quarter-pound 11-inch hot dog. Once they have that down, some people were soaking the bun, then you go back out, make one lap, and that's your time. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was an interesting idea and everything, but just, uh, you know, it wasn't all that exciting for the fans and everything, but uh, 
I'm sure it was exciting down there on the track. I mean, because they were trying to show and there was talk, they had a lady down there interviewing, talking to them, and uh, talking about their strategies and all that. But uh, I tell you what, I mean, kudos to those guys uh, down there eating those hot dogs. I wouldn't have been able to do that, that's for sure. No doubt. And uh, then we had the trailer race. Bruce McFall picked up that win. There was also spectator drags. Cameron Grady picked up the win. Now, grant you, it was a fun night. And and that's why they had these events. You know, they, they were trying to be innovative. Don't do the hot dog race no more. That's all we want to see. Don't want to see. But anyways, also congratulations to Caden White uh, for picking up the demolition win at Clark County Fairgrounds. Proud of that young man. But, uh... Anywho, that's going to do it for our little three-hour preview and the results from the past weekend that were here. Uh, so coming up next will be the veteran himself, Buddy Vertries, and get a little sneak peek to inside how he's been preparing for the World Three-Hour Championship this Saturday, September 10th. Now it's time for our special guest today. Joining me, the driver and the pilot of the number 41 Outlaw Figure 8 machine, Mr. Buddy Vertries. Buddy, I would like to thank you for coming on the show this week, and Dally, you're over... 40 more competitors this week, you and 40 other competitors, 46 I think to be exact, enter the biggest race of the season, uh, but we'll get to that shortly. First and foremost, such a rich history in the area, last name Vertries, uh, people know your dad, people know you, uh, but let's talk about how you first started, obviously I know your dad's got a little bit to do that in the industry, but talk about how you started in the racing industry. Yeah, we uh, they, uh, they started uh, Enduros uh, when I was young. I was 15, 16 years old, and they had 200, 300 lap Enduros. They paid a 1000 bucks or so, and uh, it was just knock the windows out and go run. And uh, a lot of them old guys, Dale Puckett and uh, Charlie Bartlett, a lot of them guys, they, they all jumped in there and run it. And and uh, I talked them into – I can't remember who it was now. I think it was Bill Dantos um, that first put me in one of them. And uh, – uh, I was maybe it was Smokey Bishop got the first one. I'm sorry, it was Smokey that got me in the first one, and then Dantos got me in a. I drove a convertible. I'm probably the last guy to race a convertible, but oh, them old, yeah. just old junker enduros is how I got started. And then uh, we got went up to Charlestown, and they had figure eight division at Charlestown, and and uh, we started running up there. Well, that's awesome. Now I have to ask you because you've told me this yourself when we were talking. Auburndale Speedway last year I did the uh, speed sport broadcast for them but uh, what was it that you have the most short track wins or the short track you visited the most short tracks how was that uh man it, we had I can't remember who it was now it was uh, it was a post on Facebook about uh tracks you've raced at and I, I happened upon it and I was reading and I caught Artie's name in there and I seen that Artie had raced at like 40 racetracks and I went to list and everything, you know, and I had raced it. He had raced a few places that I hadn't, but I went to list and all the ones I had too. So I added on to Artie's list about 30 more tracks than what Artie had been to. So it, you know, ended up being like 70 �����������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������
Uh, we called it Slammer. It was a cool little car. Um, and it was built in a week. I had totaled two cars in a week. And, and uh, we went to Charlie Paxton's uh, race shop and put that thing together in 10 days. Rance Harmon's crew helped me put it together. And uh, we put it together in 10 days and went over. And I almost won the first race out with it. I run second. I think the governor cover blowed off of it or something. But, um, oh, that's, that's where I was at. Well, I can tell you, you know, you, you're you're good. Uh, that that gives us a little insight for people who don't know you. One of ten, as he said. You know, hey, you know that that's what it's about. You know, learning what you've done in your past. But uh, now let's talk about race tracks. Um, you know, here in the area, I should say. Let me limit that. Um, you have Sportstrom. You had Fairgrounds. Fairgrounds uh, was before Louisville came into play, obviously, but. Um, you know, I remember growing up as a kid, I was raised at the Louisville Motor Speedway. Went to Sports Show a couple times, but every Friday night, my father, he raced at Louisville, and Saturday night, we were there for the Oval events. Um, but describe that track. I mean, that that was probably the most prestigious track. I think one year, you can vouch to this, you may know, but it was voted the, the best short track in America, I believe, by some kind of form of sanction. Uh, but just describe the tracks here in the area, because a lot of people consider this the heartland of figure eight racing. If you pulled in Speedrome, uh, Fairgrounds, uh, you know, Sportsdrome, Louisville, it's a pretty big area. Well, I mean, Indy's got it locked down. It, uh, you know, back when I was young, I, my first first time I went up there was in 77 for the first three hour. Um, and they wasn't they wasn't far as advanced. I think the fairgrounds had a better car. They actually did a, and I can't remember what year it was like seventy seven or seventy eight. They did a open class, so they got to run the slicks and all that. And, and Dad built this. They, him and Price, um, Murray's dad, uh, he built a roller skate, which was a unlimited. It's like a sixty eight Camaro it was unlimited. Um, so that's that. I mean, that really picked it up. And then uh, Indy came along. I guess. About the time that General Tire Series uh, came along, they opened it up so guys from Anderson and Louisville uh, could run that that division. So what they did, they opened, let them have headers and four barrels and um, quick changes and stuff like that. Well, that made the car cost, and it went from being like a pro stock car into to a full-blown late model. And it's advanced from then, and that was shoot back in the early 2000s, to, to now the cars are super advanced, super lightweight, and they're – they're so fast that I mean it's hard to see your crew at the fence. They're going so daggone fast, you know, in them now. So, well, let's talk about the evolution real quick of the Outlaw Figure Eight car. Uh, you just mentioned some of the parts here, but uh, watching old videos um, that I do so much on YouTube, I mean, you, you can find almost anything on YouTube from back in the day that people has uploaded and whatnot. But uh, looking at those Outlaw cars going through the years till now, what you have sitting in your garage. How have those cars changed so much? The biggest thing is is um, back then they took a Camaro front clip and they built off of that with a tubular, you know, back end and used like stock lower A-frames and stuff. Nowadays, everything is tubular, lightweight uh, tubing and uh, tubular lowers and it's all stuff that you, uh, you buy off the shelf now. It was, we made a lot of it and, and now you just, you go buy it and it's all high dollar, lightweight and... Um, it's crazy now. It's about ten times what it was when uh when I retired in two thousand one. The cost of the car uh, is insane now compared to what it was. There's forty fifty thousand dollar race cars now. Well, you know, let's fast forward button. Let's hit that um, before we get into the big you know talk. The elephant in the room, the big three hour championship coming up. 
Let's talk about yours and Murray's relationship. Um, you know, you drive for Murray now. Uh, you got that beautiful green and white figure eight car out there, the 41, uh, the B&R speed shop guru of them all. But uh, talk about yours and Murray's relationship. Oh, goodness. Um, man, we played in a driveway. The, the driveway wasn't finished uh, at his dad's house on Bruce. And uh, we played out in an old dirt pile when we was little kids with Hot Wheels and stuff. I mean, it, that, we go back that far. Um, but uh, I, along the way, I think uh, I didn't – I wasn't around him much, and we kind of lost contact. I, I retired in 2001, and then I don't remember what year it was. It was 2014 or 15. Uh, we lost Charlie Bruce, and, um, and we all got together to celebrate his life, and, and uh, that kind of put me and Murray in the same room and talking, and uh, it was kind of a crazy thing because Charlie kept poking me to, you know, call Murray, let's get back, get you back in a race car. I said, I don't want I'm done. I said, quit, man. I'm getting ready to bet the whole farm. You know, I'll sell everything. I'll, I'll be in a bad situation back hooked on it like drugs or something, you know. And we end up uh, at a funeral and Bonnie Clyde's uh, up on Dixie there eating pizza and and, uh, and was with Pat Pierce drinking beer. And and uh, one thing led to another. We got to talking and, and kind of just uh, was talking, you know. And then uh, he was going to have to build a shop and all that. And I was going to have to move my business and and uh, we just kept in touch and kept talking about it. And then the next thing I know, there's uh, uh, you know, a car on a jig down at Tony Johnson's, and, and uh, it was actually happening. So, uh, and, and we get along good. I'm probably high strung and, and very, uh, you know, very excitable person. And he's kind of laid back. He's like his daddy was. He's, he's calm and cool. So uh, he kind of levels me out when I get over the edge. He jerks me back in there, reels me in, and uh, calms me the hell down, makes me do the right thing. So. So it's pretty good, pretty good thing. And uh, we got Calvin out here now, so we're it's like an old folks' home around here. Murray likes him old drivers. I guess it's experience and less cost of racing. I I really don't know, but uh, uh, we got a good relationship. That we'll be friends after this is way gone. Well, I can tell you, and I have to ask you throughout the years, and this is one question a lot of people ask about the drivers. Growing up uh, in the racing career, once you got going. Is there any notable guys that you've had a challenge racing, enjoyed racing? Because, you know, growing up at Louisville, I remember Tony the Iceman Conway, Tony Anderson. Uh, you look at Raymond Johnson, Calvin Crane. You know, every week, you know, it was like a saga. It was Calvin and Raymond versus the Harmons every week at Louisville, you know. And that's what crowd loved and they listened to. But if you could pick anyone, who stands out as a driver that you always enjoyed racing against in your career? Man, you went to Louisville, but I'm going to take it to Bruce Tunney. I mean, me and Bruce was tight back in Dwayne Lee, too. Uh, Raymond Johnson, I mean, Tony Anderson, like you said, him, all there, there was about 20 guys at Louisville that was all great. So you can't, you know, exclude any of those. You know, there's, and there was so many guys in the outlaw, you know, through the years. Joe Beaver, uh, I know it's not a name you hear a lot, but man, he put it on him down in Florida, when, you know, in the 2000s or whatever. Geez, he was a great driver and he's a good friend. Um, Something. But there's all kinds of them. There's so many of them through the years that, uh, heck, you can't – you know, Raymond stands out, of course. Raymond, you know, he was always the show at Louisville. He was a tough one. Uh, Tony Conway was, was slick, man. He would, he'd get you and you wouldn't even know it. Um, so many of them. So many of them, Will. No, absolutely. It just gives us an insight. You know, um, to be honest with you, I, I didn't really get introduced to the outlaw world until, I guess, you could go probably 2008, 2009 – 
uh, growing up at Louisville, you know, it was always mostly street stocks. They'd have a couple special shows with the Outlaws. I guess they could call them late model figure eight. They call them up there at Speedrome. Um, you know, let's talk about a little bit about what you're doing now. Obviously, you're competing in the Outlaw, but uh, now we see you piloting the number four at times, the Kentuckiana Tank Wash Modified Figure Eight car of Ray Logston's over at Sportstrom Speedway. How has that been this past season, and how did that start? I know you're having fun out there in that number four car. Well, I, I had to, uh, when me and Murray got together, I had to have some kind of, you know, we had about a year before I was going to run, so I didn't want to go into running these Outlaws code, so. Uh, me and Todd Hash talked, and we found uh, a guy that loaned us a car. Dennis Knotts actually loaned me that car. Um, and we run it a little bit, and finally I ended up buying it. I had it for two years, I guess. I never put no money in or nothing. It was just a hobby. I just kind of worked on it myself. Had a couple little guys help me here and there. Uh, nothing major. Never had no money behind it or any of that. And uh, I ended up selling it, and I raffled it off and then uh, went on down the road, and I wasn't going to run that division no more. And, and I told Mike Gibson, I said, man, if, you know, nobody can afford to run this tire that you're running. And, uh, boy, if you switch the tire to a tire that repeats to where, you know, you can afford to run a car, I'll build a brand new car and come back and run. And uh, so they, they, you know, I guess he listened. And uh, the next spring, I got a phone call from Brandon Taylor. It's like, uh, when you building a car? I was like, huh? He said, we changed all the rules. When you building a car? So Mike listened. He did, I think he did the right thing. The class is building up. You got new guys and whatnot so i hope that answers the question oh yeah most definitely and i'm gonna before we get into the three-hour talk i'm gonna hand it to mr hawk harrod adams who's been around a lot longer than i have uh so he knows a little more about the history and racing himself and uh hawk uh before we get into three-hour talk let's uh let's throw some questions at buddy there yeah i listen to all the things you had to say they're really interesting uh I have been around for a while, too. I guess I'm one of the old guys. Maybe not as old as you. I don't know. But anyway, uh, we won't get into all that. But now I've been keeping up with racing since I can remember. So uh, anyway, you're talking about all the different stuff and everything. Uh, just real quick, I know you said you retired, I think, 2001 officially. Uh, I remember you watching you for years and years and different tracks and everything. But I'm just curious a little bit. I mean, what made you retire at that time? Was it a family thing, money thing, or did you just feel like you were getting old at that point? I mean, what kind of made you get out of it at that? Ah, man, that's a good question. Um, we were struggling at the time, and just uh, I got into where I owed uh, the guy I was driving that was racing with me. I ended up owing him a bunch of money, and and I couldn't afford to go on. It was at a time where you had to buy tires every week and all that, and uh, we was winning races like crazy, but. And it, it worked great the first two years, I guess, we done it. The third year, it just kind of – we just didn't hit on anything. And uh, we got a little bit slower, I guess. I, I really don't know. But I ended up owning a bunch of money. And uh, I wrecked one night about – I think it was 2001. I uh, got into it and then kind of got in a demo and uh, bent the rear end and whatnot. And at the time, uh, we was buying those parts from uh, Huey Darnell uh, that made the car go. And, and uh, we wrecked with one of Huey's cars and demoed with him. So – there wasn't no buying the parts to fix it, so there wasn't no sense of going back and being slow, because we was if we couldn't buy the rear end from Huey, we was going to be slow, because he had to you know that the Raymond and Calvin and all them had all this special stuff, and if we didn't have the special stuff too, we wouldn't be able to keep up with them. So at that point, it was just everything was at one time Louisville was going to sell. Uh, I was selling my business, so my entire life changed. It was a it was a crazy time for me. So it just. Uh, uh, I just kind of packed it all in and, and went in a different, different direction. Went and crawled underneath the rock. 
Yeah, I know how that can be. Like I say, you guys are always top-notch on everything and everything. So it sounded like at that point, it was just time for a change. But real quick, too, you was talking about all these different tracks, all these 70 tracks and stuff, whatever. I know you talked about that. I know you was you you did a lot of series and stuff. And you always been big on figure eight, but I mean, I'm just kind of curious. I believe those were not all figure eight races you were in. Now, explain a little bit what other series you were in uh, involving the oval like that. Well, it wasn't a series. It was the more enduros and stuff. And uh, we run, I mean, anywhere they paid anything. So there's like there was races every year in uh, Birmingham, Alabama and Pensacola, Florida. And they were big events, kind of like that big a Texas event is now. They were huge events. They had 200 cars. You know, they started four wide, and uh, they was on half-mile tracks and five-eighths. One of them was at a five-eighths mile Birmingham International Speedway. It was uh, a big old flat sports drum that was five-eighths of a mile long. You run 120, 130 mile an hour down into a flat corner. Uh, and you got there, and you're like, Neil Bonnet's nephew was there, and I got to race Red Farmer. I mean, I was like 17, door-to-door Red Farmer. It was, you know, it's a great uh, great thing but pensacola and they uh highland rim and it's you know it was all oval stuff we run down whitesville and and uh i run charlestown I, but all the way up to i just kind of uh fell in love with the eight i guess because dad did it so much you know but i run both i had two cars and then it just got to a point where the figure eight the features paid 300 or 400 dollars and the oval feature paid 200 so and i wasn't half bad at the figure eight so i just kind of went that direction because that's i should have done something else what i never done was went to salem or you know got in a good sportsman car or something i should have done something else you know well chris Harmon did and you see what he did he you know he went uh, uh everywhere and and uh won everything so uh i wish i'd have done the same i think we're pretty happy that you stuck with the figure eight and you're back in the figure eight so will what do you think we all get uh getting everybody ready for the big three hour this week so uh let's see what we got yeah, no doubt. It, it is the most prestigious 20,000 to win World Figure 8 three-hour championship. You average over 400 laps. Uh, we saw it one year. You finished, I think, third, and you were back there looking like you were almost dehydrated. You were wore out. And emotionally, really, and we'll get an insight on this, and you know it's got to be emotionally and physically draining inside that car for three hours. You're always looking to your left and right, always trying to navigate. Uh, at one time, you have over 30 cars on the track, possibly, it is a big event. So with that being said, what is the thought process leading up to this event? Things to prepare, go over, crew mental readiness, driver, hydration. There's a lot to do. Oh, there's a ton of stuff to do. You don't miss anything on the car. You go everything over everything uh, three and four times. You run all the things in your head. You uh, chug gallons of water. You stay away from alcohol and coffee. Uh, you know, and I'm a big guy. So I, you know, I probably sweat 10 pounds, 15 pounds. And uh, I, I can't even, like, I can't even stand up. When I get out of the car, my legs are wore out. I'm, it, it's beat. So it's a, there's a whole lot of preparation to it, and it's mostly car stuff. Um, mentally, I don't, let, uh, I don't let any of it get to me. I don't even think about it. It's better just put it out of your head and not worry about it. Uh, it was kind of, I was with um, R.J. Norton III or whatever, and uh, Pooter, he come and helped me, and he was like, man, you're not even excited. I said, well, I'm, it's better for me not to be. You know, I'm just kind of mono, numb to it. Uh, and I approach it like uh, I'm going to race myself. Uh, you know, I need to finish and make every lap I can, and I'm not going to get caught up in beating and banging with anybody. And uh, the minute that you think you're going to make up a bunch of ground and, and go past everybody is the minute you get uh, caught up in something and you go backward. So the harder you try, uh, the more backward you go in that race. So it's it's better to – 
if you can settle in there in that top 10 group, you know, if you can get up to that point where you're on that end of the track and not go a lap down right off the jump, then that, you know, that's how you do it. You just get in that rhythm with them guys and uh, get established as one of the leaders and one of that lead group pack. And then uh, the rest kind of takes care of itself. They know you're up front and, you know, just, you know, they, they watch out for you. So a lot of people kind of take it easy. And uh, there, there's so much that happens, though. It's it, you, There's no way. It's a lot of luck. And, I mean, even the best driver um, has issues and problems and mechanical things happen. And um, so, I mean, it, it's just the nature of the beast with that race. I mean, if you think about it, you look at big races, uh, big iconic races, a race that mixes so much in, and you said the L word, luck, and you, you think about an oval race. Yeah, you have to have luck, but it, it's it's about skill. It's about getting your car ready, the crew. But really, in this event, you have to have a good car. You you have to have a great crew behind you, and you have to have luck. I mean, going through the crossover. So every element of a race and a driver and mental, you have to you have to be at it. Um, so now let's talk about what is it, it give a fan an average fan a perspective on what buddy virtue does the night before this race like you said you're numb to it but the morning of uh, you go to bed at night thinking about this race possibly not but what is your mental status going into this saying three hours tomorrow and waking up it's the day it's race day no you just got to make sure you got everything together you know I'm old, so I got to time the medication and that kind of stuff. I got I'm on allergy pills and I can't take them, and you know, they drive me out. So I have to stop that two days before, and uh, and, and you know try to get some sleep. It, it's hard to to lay there the night before this happens and and uh, go to sleep. You, you know you're worried about what's left undone, and is there anything you can do to make it better or faster? And uh, when you get there that morning, um, you know all the preparation's kind of done, and you're uh, you're trying to chase speed. You're just trying to, you know, it, it, you, what can you do? You're just thinking, what, you know, what can I do to get another tenth or two tenths? And uh, these days, um, geez, two tenths of a second separate 12, 15 cars. And uh, when I first come back into this, I said, man, you know, these, these guys are, you know, they're just young punks. And, you know, I didn't, didn't think a whole lot about it. It was like, you know, we're, my group and my generation was tougher, you know, and better. Well, it, that, that ain't so. After being here for a while, these kids are tough. And, uh, you know, they, they mean business. They're super refined, super fast, and they know what they're doing. They know shocks. They know exactly, you know, they come in and they tell, tell the crew chief exactly what they need and the exact changes and whatnot, and that's where I struggle. Shocks and stuff came along after me, you know, so, so I'm not sure how to adjust this and turn that, but uh, uh, thank goodness I got some good people around me that do, you know, makes me look better. Now, we talk about the day before, but really it starts days before that because the format, and that's one thing we'll talk about. Thursday, you go into practice uh, all day making adjustments, whatnot, what feels right, uh, what what feels off. Um, but Friday, let's talk about that. Top 18, that's your goal, right? You want to be that top 18 because then you can sleep a little better. If, if you're me, you know, if I'm the driver and I'm not top 18, well, guess what? Um, I got about 10 more spots to gain the next day. Hopefully I can get into that top 28, but talk about that. Cause I know I'm kind of right in that. I know you're thinking the same thing. I want to be top 18. Absolutely. The, the, uh, the old format, uh, if you didn't make it, you could race your way into a qualifier and they've eliminated the qualifiers now. So uh, you got to make it in on speed, so that top 18 locks you in, and that makes you feel great. If not, then then uh, you're out there making Hail Mary laps trying to make it work. You're trying to come up with, uh, you know, a, a perfect lap and 
overdoing it. And you mentioned a lot of them guys running the fence down there uh, to flagman, trying over trying, you know. So, um, but anyway, there's it, it's it's just uh, it's something that you just got to dig down deep and get after it to do it. You got to conjure it up, you know. No doubt, and I figured that was going to be your answer because on that non-locked-in day, it's really weird. Um, I guess I shouldn't say weird. Sitting there as a fan in the stands because I, I, you know, I go back media passes and I, I talk to the drivers and I go back. But watching that last qualifying effort, it always cracks me up when those guys come off of four. They push the envelope, and it's always interesting. I know you, Hawk Harold Adams. It's interesting to see. Yeah, it's always fun, you know, uh, whatever format they use. But, uh, yeah, those guys trying to get in there. Of course, you know, everybody's familiar with the format, with the alternates and everything. But, uh, you know, you want to start the show and that gets you off on the right track, you know. But that's real quick, uh, buddy. I know there's a lot of debate. A lot of people like those qualifying races. A lot of them don't. You know, what's your opinion on that? You know, it's always fun for the fans to watch it, but I was always kind of afraid guys tearing cars up and then working all night. Maybe they don't get the race. We've seen guys not race because of, because of those qualifiers. What's your opinion? Would you rather see the qualifiers or just qualifying? Uh, I like the qualifiers, but you know, from the racer standpoint, it was uh, they were pretty neat to have, and you know, you had out of towners, so you got the guys that from you know from out got to race their way in, and they was in their own little group, and that uh, that was cool and everything. Uh, from a track promoter standpoint, I think Kevin did the right thing because, you know, back in 77, we had 150 cars and, it, you know, you had 75 and 60 cars and 40 cars and we're down to them 40 now and it's, you know, you 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 can't tear up cars. So it's smarter to let that go and uh, get them all out there at one time under green. Uh, and that that's what makes the show is that, that it's the craziest format. It's the only race in the world that you don't have to start and you don't have to finish to win. And that's very true, and and, and it's unique. Uh, we saw it. Uh, I forgot where I saw it at earlier on stats. I was looking at it, and uh, you know, you you got had, you had guys finishing twelfth, thirteenth that you wouldn't think would even have a chance for a top fifteen. So you're exactly right about that. But let's talk about the other elephant in the world today, and that's tire shortages. Um, with the tire situation, how much and it affects everyone. We know this, but how much does it affect you guys? on what this tire situation's doing? Uh, man, it it messes everything up, especially the money teams. I mean, it it kind of helps because we're not, you know, we're not, uh, we can't buy 11 sets of tires and all that, so it kind of helps us in a way. And um, on the street stock or modified side of things, uh, it really screws everything up the way it's done at the sports drone because it's, and not no offense or anything, but they allow you to buy one tire a week, and there's no way to run that one tire in. You got to wait and buy the second one the second week before you can run two tires in, and then they allow you to buy four for a big race. But it takes 30 laps for those to come in. So if you buy four for the big race, if you don't have a practice you can go to, then you're running tires in the day of the big race, and you can't get them in. So anybody that uh, you know, whoever saves tires and throws the race before the big race is the guy that's got the better tires. So it, it forces you to, to like lose, to try to be competitive when they pay something, you know. So um, as a whole, that, that stinks like heck. Um, and, and these guys, you know, the promoters, they're, they're not in control of any of that. These are the manufacturers. They can't get the raw materials to do it. So uh, guys like me just got to run whatever we're given. So, it, you know, I'm thankful that uh, we're even, you know, grateful to even be able to, to do it. And then these guys work as hard as they do. Uh, Mike Gibson secured his deal, and he had tires all the way through the year. So, you know, he looked out ahead. Kevin's done the same thing. Uh, 
and there's there's just nothing extra for you know if you added on a race you wouldn't have the tires to have it so and i don't know what in the world we're going to do go to dot tire or uh or what so they're i mean i'm sure the they'll figure it out so and you know that that reminds me you know talking to randy up at painesville lorraine he his rep of hoosier said we can get the tires but it's going to be about a two-year wait now so it's starting to get worse and worse and worse. And we talked to Glenn Luckett, and I know CRA, and he says he don't see it ending anytime soon, which is unfortunate. Um, but Hawk Harold Adams, I'll let you do your final thoughts to Buddy here before I give him the chance to thank all of he wants to thank, and uh, before we wrap up. Yeah, I just want to wish you a lot of luck in that race. Uh, you know, uh, we know a lot of the drivers that are involved in this race, so we wish them all uh, luck and everything. Uh, but it's always good. The guys that are in our area down here in the south, if you will, in the Kentucky area, wish always great to see them do well. And uh, it's always great when uh, they get a top five or a victory. So I want to wish you well on that and all your uh, sponsors, all the guys helping you. And uh, hopefully, you know, the weather's good and everything. And speaking of sponsors, I know you're going to want to thank everybody, all your sponsors and everything. I just want to throw in real quick a big plus to uh, Steve Roby and uh, Derby City Recycling. I told him I mentioned him, so I better do that before I forget. So now it's your turn, buddy. Steve, Steve gets all the good mentions. <laughs> we uh, we share and follow everything uh, on him, man. He's a good dude. He really is. He helps so many people. He's been around this, and we've been friends for shoot forty years. I mean, we go back way before the racing stuff. So, uh, but anyway, he's great. And uh, Will here, we we I met mean, I met him about three years ago, and we hit it off. And uh, and he's come a million miles, man. I tell you, man, Mike Gibson needs somebody to take this place and and fix it. Get on social media and. And I talk it up, and boy, he's he's come a million miles, and boy, he's now the voice in the face of places, and that's and just keeps just expanding, expanding, expanding on his deal, and I'm very proud to have his ad on the side of cars. That's it's really great to to kind of uh, helped him along, and uh, him helping me along. So it's it's good. Friends above everything else, you know. Um, as for sponsors, uh, Will here being our speed shop, of course, uh, Mendoza Construction. Uh, Oh, good gosh, there's so many. Uh, Alex Tire, uh, Fastener Sales and Service, Engineering, who am I forgetting? Portland Connection, uh, Gambler's Garage, Daniel Durrett. Well, oh, he's a bad wheel man, ain't he? Uh, yeah, James Connolly, the Northwest, is it Northwest figure eight, right? That, uh, yeah, he just came on. Uh, good gosh, I'm going to forget. I'm going to forget somebody. Lenny, oh my goodness. Lenny Blanchard, not command. I couldn't even do this without him. He's over doodles right now working his butt off, but but we still love him over here too. Lenny, Lenny he's a great dude. I raced with him in Jericho's car. I didn't take it over for Danny Smith in 2015 and got to know him that day or two days and and uh, it was great racing with him, you know, with that car. So it's, uh, we became pretty good friends just off that little one event. You know, this, well, it was this event, you know, in 2015. Um, but anyway, Mike Tools, uh, Matt Preston. Uh, yeah, Scott Perkins. Uh, and the most important, I guess, is Paul Cook at Lowe's, man. He's done so much for us. It's, it's, uh, that's been a blessing. Paul's a great guy, man. He's, uh, he is a blessing. So for a bunch of us, really, he's helped a lot of people. Uh, who am I? Who am I forgetting? Help me out. Have I covered them all? I think so. Uh, pretty good. Uh, who's on the other wing? Oh, some You're on the wave, Steve Roby. We covered them all. All right, I think I got them all. If not, I'm sorry. Thank you, everybody, that helps me out. I appreciate the heck out of it. We're gonna go do the best we can do up here. 
Well, buddy, I truly appreciate you uh, taking some time. We're coming to you live from the shop today. Uh, very excited that you uh, gave me the opportunity. It's likewise to be on side of that car. Uh, it kind of fits the color scheme too, so I'm very happy with that. Um, you know, it's uh, growing up watching. I'm not going to give your age, but I was born in 1989, so uh, you know, it's uh, it's fast forwarding to now getting to know you guys, which I know it sounds like a kick, but it's really not. It's really an honor uh, to support you guys and watching you guys as much as I did through my childhood. So um, can't be. I can't wait to be there with the crew and him. I'm going to walk out on the track, get that whole experience because we're going for you. It's the first time at a three iron as a sponsor going, so it's pretty impressive, I guess. I know Hawk Harold Adams. I'm going to pull him out there with me to walk to, and everybody can throw stuff at him. So, uh, but we wish you the best of luck, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much, Will. I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you helping me out, and uh, good luck to all my fellow racers going to do this this weekend. Uh, everybody, be safe and. Uh, enjoy it enjoy it that's a big thing take it in soak it up enjoy it there he is the driver of the number 41 i should say wild will throw down machine entry this weekend mr buddy virtries Welcome back to the Wild Will Throwdown. A little short segment here. That was Buddy Vertrees. Always great to hear his insight. Very proud once again to be carrying our colors on the side of the 41 ride this weekend. But the upcoming schedule, Speedrome. Have to start with them first. 802 Kitley Avenue, Indianapolis, Indiana. Visit Speedrome.com. It is the World 3-Hour Figure 8 Championship Weekend. It all begins this Thursday night. Practice for the main event, Ford Oval, Ford 8 in Factory Front Wheel Drive. Turnaround on Friday, going to have many late model oval. Ford Oval, Ford Figure 8, factory front-wheel drives. 240 lappers, I believe, is what they had. Of course, they always have a lot of those cars. And, of course, the World Figure 8 Championship qualifying. Two attempts, top 18 locked in. Saturday practiced, non-locked in qualifying. And, of course, the big three-hour championship. $20,000 to the winner. Uh, Sportstrom Speedway, um, they will be closed for a circus. Uh, they will be having a circus, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Uh, the big red top will be down at Sportstrom Speedway. So if you're into the circuses, uh, which sometimes at racetracks, we are at a circus every weekend, aren't we? Uh, yeah, I was thinking the same thing myself. But, uh, yeah, it is a real circus. So if you're not going up to the track uh, for the big uh, three-hour Saturday, course they're having it all weekend, uh, yes, it's the first time ever they're having a big top down there uh, in the parking lot uh, at Sportstrom. Hopefully no rain. Uh, Florence Speedway, 12234 US 42 Walton, Kentucky, 41094. Monster Truck Invasion. Six monster trucks will be on hand. 1,000 win demolition derby as well. The Brownstown Speedway, no racing. Uh, we're going to be talking about why they're not racing right now. It's the iconic Eldora Speedway. It's going to be the World 100. Wednesday, September 7th, tomorrow night. I'll be watching some of that live on Flow Racing. Uh, chasing the Dream, $128,000 goes to the winner Wednesday night. The last 86 laps from the June show will be completed. Thursday, September 8th, full program of racing. They'll split the field, 12,000 win features, two features for 12,000 win. They'll do the same program on Friday, another $24,000 split in two to two winners. And then Saturday, September 10th, Heat Races B features in the 52nd run of the World 100, paying $55,000 to the winner. That is the World 100 at the Eldora Speedway, and that is 13929SR. Uh, State Road 118, if you're not familiar with the SR Brevia code. Uh, New Weston, Ohio, 45348. Just giving the addresses out here. I'd like to help our friends out. 
Paragon Speedway, the Johnson Memorial, 410 Sprints, Modified Bombers, Hornets, 8486 West Old State Road, Paragon, Indiana, 46166. And, of course, the most dirt tracks around the country are off in respects to the Airdoor Speedway this weekend, so we invite you to check it out on all of their social media outlets. Talk a little bit about NASCAR, the Camping World Truck Series. We just heard that they will be in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series next year. Uh, Good to see Craftsman go back to the series. Uh, They will be at Kansas Speedway for the Kansas Lottery 200, live on FS1 Friday night, 7.30 p.m. The Xfinity Series will be live at Kansas Speedway on Saturday, September 10th at 3 on the USA Network in the Kansas Lottery 300. And the second race in the playoffs will be at the Kansas Speedway on Sunday at 3 p.m. in the Hollywood Casino 400 on the USA Network. Also want to give a shout-out to Eric Jones and the Petty GMS Racing number 43 for picking up the win at Darlington last week. No chase drivers picked up the win there. I believe Joey Logano still leads the standings. And, of course, guys, what a great show today and what a weekend of racing we have right around the corner. Uh, Going to witness no matter where you're at. As always, I want to thank Brandon Hooker of Diesel Boys LLC for being the title sponsor of the Wild Will Throwdown. I want to thank Dustin, Ryan, and all the crew at Dirt 2 Media for producing and editing the show and Hawk Carroll Adams for coming on each and every week. Very special thank you to Buddy Vertrees for being on the show this week, and I want to thank all of you for supporting and listening to this podcast. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors all about it. You can find it on Apple or Android, Spotify, Amazon Music. As always, drivers, crews, fans, please support your local racetrack. I'm Will Greenwell, and I will see you around the turn. <laughs>